On this episode of Year One, we chat to Jennifer Bites, founder of Genuine Conversations. Jennifer is an author, life coach, and a deeply spiritual human being who empowers women to have the confidence to express their truth and take action. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On year one, we speak to early stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. My first question is, why? What was that moment for you that you said, you know what? I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm tired of going down this route that I'm going on. I want to do my own thing. What was that moment for you? It could be series of events or whatever, but what happened in your life that you decided this is the route for me? Oh, that's such a great question. And I'm happy to explore that with you a little bit further. And for me, my experience is that I was working in corporate structures that I saw a huge gap. And that gap is in putting people first. So I was around a lot of organizations that were focusing primarily on generating revenue and forgetting about the client and the staff and really forgetting that there's a connection that needs to be developed and built for business to continue. And yeah, that is just my why as I... Well, I'm a highly sensitive person. I have empathy oozing out of me. And so when I was in those environments and I didn't see management making connections with the people, I saw a lot of missed opportunity. So that was my motivation. That's amazing. And, and I, it's so cool that you've mentioned that. And I'll tell you why I say that because, and this might be a controversial comment. Everyone out there is talking about people first and we have to think about our staff and we have to think about this. But I think to a large extent, people pay lip service to that. Organizations pay lip service mm. to that. And it really becomes apparent when, if you look during the period that we've just gone through, there were people that were made redundant. There were people that had a lot of things happen to them that they lost their role. If it's a people first culture, I wonder how many organizations have followed up with those people that they've left the organization. Probably none of them. And that's where they say they pay lip service. And as I say, a lot of people are not going to like a comment that I make. A lot of business owners or bigger organizations. But I think that is the true test. It's not only when they're in your environment. It's when the difficult times come as well. Are you still having that real human people first ethos that you portray to the rest of the world? So I, I love your story. I think that's brilliant. It is about people first. Uh, it absolutely is. And you've brought up a brilliant point. Even when we see team members leave the team, how does management think about that? Yeah. How do they treat that person when they're leaving the organization? Because that matters. You will most likely reach back to that person in some capacity yeah. through a referral through a recommendation, your names may cross paths again. And so I really believe that there is an opportunity when people are coming onto our team and when people are leaving our team to still make that connection, right? 
No, I love that. Let's do my favorite segment. We hadn't named it until this podcast and I'm naming it, Dion, with your permission, the bar talk. Okay. So the show was introduced by Dion and I about what you do based on what we've read. Now we've heard a little bit about why you got into it. You just met the two of us at a bar networking. How do you answer the question of what do you do? Tell us about your business in your words. Well, what I do is really work with people and specifically women in really developing their confidence. As I have noticed on my journey in the workforce, women particularly tend to shy away from opportunities to share their opinion, to share their ideas, to apply for promotions before they're ready. And so I really want to work with women and get their confidence built up and develop the courage for them to be able to express their truth, despite what others might be. And why is this important for your purpose in life? Because I have a track record of holding myself back. I've worked for a lot of male-dominated industries, and I too felt oh, I can't possibly share my opinion here. Oh, I couldn't possibly put my hand up. Oh, I don't, uh, yeah, no, I'm not ready for that. And there was just also missed opportunities for that professional development in the organizations that I chose uh, to work in over the years. And so I really want women to also have those opportunities to develop both personal personally and professionally. And so coaching is a wonderful opportunity to share conversations where we can explore and give voice to those fears or any of those limiting beliefs that might be holding us back from our full potential. No, I love that. And I I think in our brief earlier conversation, I told you how I really didn't find my voice until much later in life, you know, being from a South Asian family, born into a very academic family, I didn't have a voice. It was given to me. I never really had an original thought until I rebelled against the blueprint at the expense of being disowned, at the, it's, it's, at the expense of being black sheeped. But I went through a very difficult process to be able to just listen to myself, to understand what is it that I want But for that to happen, I needed to move everybody else out of my life, create emptiness so that I can actually listen to myself. And one of the things that I loved about your profile is so much of your testimonials about you creating the space for others. And to be able to create space for others means you also now carry some of that weight when somebody shares stuff with you. How do you build yourself to that point? It's one thing to work on yourself. And I'm still a product of me working on myself at 47. But not only are you working on yourself, you're creating space to take on other people's voices. How does one... Oh, love, love this question. Being such an empathetic listener, I've had my fair share of people be able to come to me and share their deepest fears. However, before taking we're doing further leadership development and specifically taking training to become a coach. I used to enable people. And in fact, I used to do a lot of the problem solving for others myself. And then what would happen is I wouldn't release all of those other voices 
And in fact, I was struggling. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling angry. I was feeling resentment as I would listen to others, take on their energy, and then not do anything to release that negative energy from my body and my mind. It wasn't until on my journey in 2014 that I, through complaining to a friend, being in that victim mentality and feeling like, hey, the world's out to get me. How do I get out of this? She had recommended meditation. Mm. And at that point, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Meditation? I've never done that. What does that look like? She's like, well, I just started using this app called Headspace. Why don't you give that a go? And at that point in my journey, I had tried so many other things that I thought, well, what's, what have I got to lose here? Had a great 10-day free trial. And Satish, that was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Wow. It really allowed me to get quiet, like you just spoke about earlier, and turning down the volume on the outside voices so that I could really start to listen to my own intuition, listen to my own voice and take action from that hour from within instead of looking outside for that external validation and such. And so as the more I learned to quiet my thoughts and pay attention to my own voice, combined with that training of coaching, I am now in a position where I can freely let others express their truth so that they can hear their own solutions. And I get to guide and I get to support and encourage instead of solve. And that was a big game changer for me. Now, when I step into those conversations, I'm not walking away with all the baggage of the conversation per se. That's amazing. I, I just want to go back. Satish, your comment that you made, I can completely relate to you in that when I was growing up, my voice was given to me as well. You grew up in an environment where you were essentially a child and children should be seen and not heard. That was the way you were brought up. And I think that's the question that I've got for you. And I know we, we want to delve into the challenges that you've had in terms of running your business. But my question to you is the people that are battling to find their voice, do you think it's a generational thing? So it's rather the older generation as opposed to the new generation. Because I look at my children, for example, they don't lack confidence. They don't lack a voice. So is it to some extent a generational thing? Oh, this is such a great question. And I'm so glad you asked. As I do believe that a lot of the past conditioning we received, and to your point, I too was raised in a generation where children were to be seen and not heard. And if we even dive a little bit deeper into the stereotypes between the genders and how boys are conditioned and how girls are conditioned. And so when we look at the boys at a young age, we see them being conditioned to take risks, right? When you go out on the playground, your parents or other people, maybe even your peers might be encouraging the boys to climb the tree, to go as high as you can, to go up to the highest monkey bar, hang upside down, have fun, take risks. Whereas the girls are conditioned a little differently, more like, 
good, be a good girl and don't challenge anyone. Don't rock the boat. Don't get yourself dirty. Don't climb the monkey bars. Don't go up a tree. Don't take risks. Be polite. And that conditioning really took away the voice of many girls as well who go on to a public education system that also don't have these conversations about those condi that conditioning. And so I feel like there is a generation that lost their voice and we're just coming into finding it. And I'm with you, my children aged 19 and 20 are on a total different playing field than I was at their age. My 19-year-old girl is so much more empowered at her age than I was. And now here I am at age 50, <laughs> trying things for the first time. And she's kind of looking at me like, mom, what's the issue? Especially like when it comes to social media, I'm all up in my head about social media creating a video and oh my gosh, who's going to see this compared to my kids that are like, what do you mean, mom? The only way to express yourself, like you have full, go to any platform you want and be yourself. Those were, that was not the messaging I received when I was a young kid. Eventually this podcast, if you're listening to it up to this point, we'll get to some business talk. <laughs> this is such a fascinating life talk know, right? that I think we could spend a whole episode on just life, but too quick Absolutely. to just sort of to this and then move into the next segment. My daughter was 14. We decided consciously that as early as she's able to, we're going to introduce her into the music business, not because she's an artist, but to be not shy about crowds and not shy about being represented. And I remember the, the four-year-old Layla on stage at AC Fest in front of hundreds of thousands of people, really confident, throwing t-shirts out. And, and we believe that'll create a different impression of the world. And especially from coming from a culture in, in South Asians where women, to your points, are, are not given a voice or a platform. They're guarded, they're prepared for the husband at some point. And, and so we consciously were like, how do we break that version of her from the very beginning? And none of us know what the future is going to hold and what the ripple effects are going to be. But it was a blueprint that we put in. And today she's 14 and the, the confidence she carries with herself came from somewhere. And we believe it's these micro decisions up front to change the generation. So I think what you're doing is fantastic. But I do want to move into the business a little bit, which is... For sure. You're in a unique business. A, I want to learn more about how did you go from what you studied and what you thought your career was going to be to what you're doing today and what's changed? Because most of us think education is so changed that the previous version of go to school, get a career, here's your 20 years has changed. And, and how has that sort of impacted you from what you've learned to what you are doing today? And number two, being a solo entrepreneur is a very interesting business model right? Versus what we're thought in entrepreneurship school is build something, scale, replace yourself, automate the whole thing. But how do you do that in your business where the human connection is the most important part? So it's a two-part question, but I love for people listening who want to get into coaching, into these singular sort of entrepreneur businesses that could be still worth millions of dollars in revenue. How do you think about the business? Okay, Satish, you gave me a lot to chew on there. So Let's back up to what is my first question. 
whatever you're doing now, did whatever you went to school for play a role or is it a complete switch in what you're doing? No, absolutely. My education prepared me for where I am today. And there was still more work I had to do once I had my education. So education's not a one and done. I think there's this myth out there that if I go to university and I get an education and hopefully you're choosing it and it's not being thrown upon you, but that we get, there's this myth that once we achieve it, then the doors just automatically unlock once we step outside of our higher learning institution and opportunities just land in our lap. And that's just not the truth, right? We still have to work at what we want to achieve. And to your point, business isn't just focusing on revenue. There's the human side of it too. And as leaders, when you're, when you, there's a, it's about leadership coming from within, because the more you understand about yourself, the more you're going to understand the people you work with. And instead of feeling like everyone's uh, competition, you're going to start feeling like, who can I collaborate with so that we can get even further than, you know, me as, as myself. And so that's kind of what I see. I caught myself thinking the other day, sometimes I get in my head and I challenge my thoughts because I was thinking to me, well, why would someone pay attention to me when I didn't follow the traditional path? And then I caught myself thinking, no, screw that, Jen. Actually, there's no way that just going through a formal education would have got you to where you are today, right? That's just one piece. And yet that piece is so important to our development because when we go to that higher level of learning, we learn to think differently. And that's the magic. We learn to think for ourselves. And when we're in public schools, well, we're kind of handed that stuff. That's where that conditioning comes in. Those old beliefs, we pick them up from people in, as, chi- as children, what others are telling us. If we're fortunate enough to go to that help, higher level of learning, that's where we're really challenged on the way that we think. And I think that's such an important part of our journey. I like that. So hopefully like that. that answered your question. This is going to be a complete, and I don't expect an answer, but I think it's my question, and don't answer it because we're going to go off at a complete tangent, but does your traditional schooling actually prepare you for that higher learning? And as I said, that's a completely different conversation. Don't get me started. <laughs> I've got a whole startup dealing with that question. No, I'm saying it, it, finish, finish your sentence, but I, I want to talk about the business model around acquiring customers and how do you market yourself? And because it's such an, it's such an unknown business model and there's lots of coaches out there and the market is full of people that want to help me. So I want to learn a little bit about your business. And again, I'm new to this. So the advantage is that by human design, I uh, flourish in a trial and error. And so entrepreneurship really affords me that opportunity to try things and see where they go. 
And that's the model that I want to follow as I'm building and growing my business. I'm going to start working with people at a certain, in a certain area, which as I work with more people, I want to grow and develop and start to work with people at a different level as well. And so I see this business model as growing and changing, not staying the same and just focus, hyper-focused on one way of doing business. I spoke about this earlier and even just in collaboration, that's what I really want to drive forward. I don't want to be so single, so focused that it's just me and I'm shutting out all my collaborative opportunities. And I just don't think that really existed in business as much then as it does now. I, I really believe that the traditional leadership model was primarily based on competition. Absolutely. Yeah. And now we're shifting. We're seeing that shift into more collaboration. Yeah. And knowledge was coveted and knowledge was protected until the internet came and blew open all of this contained <laughs> ecosystem. The, the CEOs of leaders had all the information and they never gave it out. So you had to fall in line. You had to earn the right to move up the ladder. You couldn't experiment because you didn't have the knowledge and the minute internet and accessibility to content and social media opened all of those doors up. Now anybody with the right time investment can get as much knowledge as needed on demand to pursue whatever they got to do, which is mm. what is exciting to see in your business and just entrepreneurship in general. It was such a closed loop of skill sets. Now it's Anybody with a purpose backed by some passion can get in. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And, you know, what we were talking about earlier with education, well, I ended up majoring in conflict resolution. And so bringing that to a coaching practice is on point, right? Now I get to actually have those deeper conversations and not just in a, on a one-on-one -on -one but also in a group setting and really striving for those win-win solutions. To me, that's, wow, that's, that's how we're going to start to see change in our world. Yeah, I would, Jennifer, I would love for you to talk to some of the challenges that you've experienced on the journey so far. But before I do that, I want to go back to the second part of Satish's question. And that is, as a solo entrepreneur, where is that opportunity for you to scale? Because essentially people are buying your time at this point and you've got a, you, they buy into you, they buy into the Jennifer experience right. and you are restricted by the amount of hours that you've actually got available at any given day. And so I guess it comes back to that collaboration and those opportunities to work with others so that I can't possibly service every client that comes to me. However, I can build a strong network of people that also have a skill set similar to me, but specialize in a different area so that I can connect people to those resources as well. And so it's kind of that, you know, referral based model as well that works so well in this particular industry, specifically if you're good at developing relationships with others, which brings me back to that first point about it really is about people and developing relationships.
That's amazing. I, I love that. I love that. And I think that's exactly what people need to think about. If you've got a specialist skill that people are buying into, they're buying into you as an individual, you need to look at partnerships, collaborations. You need to look at getting your clients to believe that the skill that you've got, when you refer them to someone else, they're going to have that same experience. And I think that's where the scalability option comes in. But obviously, so you decide to go on your own. You go out there and it is a roaring success. You experience zero challenges, right? Life is just pushed you. Yeah, that's the story. That's called being an employee. (laughs) Isn't isn't that the story that's put up? You see some of these podcasts went from zero to $15 million, you know, in a year. That's the story. That's what gets portrayed. So you're on that journey, obviously. No challenges. And the best part is you could do it all before you're 25, apparently. I was listening to a podcast this morning while I was working out, and this person who I can't name was like, by the time I'm 25, I had 18 gyms and pulling in $18 million. I'm like, what? What is in your water? What are you eating that's creating these kind of things? And so that's not the reality, right? And it's not a blueprint you can follow. So if somebody listening to this going, man, I want to get into coaching. And I believe I have the right empathy. I have the right personality. I have the right purpose. What would be like the first one, two, three things they can do starting? Oh, gosh. I think the first thing is really developing that unstoppable belief in yourself that you can figure it out, right? Because here's the thing about becoming an entrepreneur. You're stepping into the unknown. You have no idea. You are taking a leap of faith that you have everything within you to figure things out, right? I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. It takes me back to looking outside of ourselves for that external validation. And that comes back to having that belief in yourself. And I know for my, on my own story, that first year I struggled because my belief in self was very low. So even though I chose to leave my corporate job because I had an inner knowing that my purpose was to do more than where I was at that point in my life. And then once I stepped off the ledge and went into the unknown, it was like, holy, can I do this? And then to your point, Satish, you look outside and you're like, oh, well, first of all, it looks like everyone's already done it. Second of all, people are pulling in a lot of money in a short amount of time. How are they doing that? Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I've, I got to go back and get some more education. Oh, I got to, yeah, now's not the right time. And here comes that imposter syndrome. It's flaring up. I'm sorry, are you trying to do something new outside of your comfort zone? Because I'm going to remind you that little voice inside of our head that goes off when we're attempting to do something that's bigger than us. We're not paying attention. That little voice can be negative. That little inner critic can pop up and that inner judge can pop up. They could try to hold us down and try to keep us back. No, stay safe. Don't go out of your comfort zone. You don't know what's out there. That's that inner work I'm talking about. That's that inner work we get to do to really gain the belief in ourselves that we have the capacity to figure it out. 
So Jennifer, belief in yourself is key in order to be successful. And a lot of people don't necessarily have those beliefs and things like that. So, and I might, I don't want to need to think about how I phrase it because I don't want to belittle it because it's a lot of work that you need to do. But if there were three acts that you could do in order to improve your belief in yourself, you got people sitting out there, they've got an idea and they, they're just not taking it to the next level because they doubt themselves. What can they do? How can they change that? For me, I think it's really about getting support. It's really about having a conversation about how you're feeling with someone that you trust. Let me say that again. With someone that you trust, okay? I don't necessarily mean turning to family and friends. Now, family and friends are a great resource. Don't get me wrong. Don't want to minimize that. What I do want to bring to light is that sometimes when we lack that belief in ourselves, we go to the people we're closest with, which can be family and friends, and we share our fears with them. And depending on where they are in their journey, their feedback may be very hindering to your success. And so I really want to encourage people that are thinking about taking a leap of faith in themselves to surround themselves with people that are further ahead of them and that lift them up. See, that's a big difference because I know for me on my journey, when I started out, I wanted to tell everyone, I wanted to share my ideas, except my ideas, I had a lot of devil's advocates in my corner. They were pull, pull, putting holes in all of my ideas and telling me why it wouldn't work. And I believed them because I didn't have that belief in myself initially. I hadn't done a lot of that. Inner. And so for me, I would also recommend on my journey, what was really helpful was journaling big time. I even at that time, I tapped into a coach called Mel Robbins. She does this 30-day brain dump. Well, that's where I really started. I really wanted to retrain the way that I was thinking about my reality. And I recognized through that 30 days to reset my brain, how I was really looking. I was in this fixed mindset that was reminding me that there was only a limited amount of opportunity. And it wasn't until I started to explore more mind work and kind of came across the research done by Carol Dweck on a growth mindset. And I did a little quiz and I started, you know, diving deeper into my personality and how I'm wired and recognized, oh my gosh. I'm doing this all myself. I'm all up in my head. And I'm thinking myself, I'm sabotaging my own success. That's brilliant. And that breakthrough, you want it to happen as fast as possible. Because that's really when the work starts. And, and I struggled for many years without asking myself the right questions to get to those answers. And when that breakthrough happened, Everything else fell into place. Somebody I look up to, Jay-Z, the hip-hop artist, was a quote where he said, when somebody tells you what you can't do, they're really just telling you what they can't. I was like, bam, 
And when you ask for advice, the advice that people give you is their limited vision of your potential. So all of those are nice to have, but nothing that you should own on to. And so as we get into the final segment, talk to us a little bit about how do you celebrate success? What does that look like in your world? Really getting together with my tribe and sharing my small wins, sharing wins in general. That is such an important part to our journey, especially as a high achiever. I know a lot of people that choose the entrepreneurial path are high achievers. And sometimes we get stuck in our heads as a high achiever because we're just, we complete what we need to do. We don't acknowledge it. And then we're just on to the next achievement. And that doesn't, we need, we get to slow down and see what's in front of us and remind us that we wanted this, we chose this, and we were able to gain the result. And that's to be celebrated. It's not to be overlooked and on to the next. I think that that when we don't acknowledge, then it just leads to that hyper-vigilant behavior around achievement. I have to keep achieving in order to feel good about myself. I love that. I, and Tony Robbins said it at one point, and I must have heard it when I was like, 20 or 25, but he's along with your financial bank account, everybody should have an emotional bank account. And the whole point of the emotional bank account is to deposit these micro wins so that when you are at a moment of doubt, when you are in a moment of discomfort, you can look into your own emotional bank and withdraw these bankable moments that are yours. Because when we look backwards, we tend to see the negative first and not the positive. And so I love the way that you're celebrating micro wins with your tribe and essentially anchoring it so that you have it on demand to call onto it. I have one last question. It's been an incredible session around the idea of confidence versus courage. And when we look at marginalized communities, women, BIPOC, people in workplaces, people that are immigrating, when you feel marginalized, you feel helpless. You feel like the world is against you. I was part of that. My parents were when they immigrated in certain circles. Even at my success, I still feel like the underdog. And the typical feedback from most folks is, well, find the courage to step up or be more confident. Both words are powerful, but how do we choose one? Or are they connected? And is it courage or confidence? I would love to get your thoughts on just the words and their purpose as you're thinking about breaking through your ceilings. And so that's such a great question. I see the two words as separate. I see confidence as something we need to develop first so that we have the courage to put ourselves out there. So we can develop all the confidence we want. However, if we're not able to put ourselves out there so that others can see us and hear us, well, then nobody's going to be able to find us. So you can have confidence, you know, flowing out of you. However, if you're not able to show up consistently so that others can see you and hear you, then yeah, there's going to be that gap. People aren't going to be able to find you. And I know that on my journey, I had the confidence to 
take that leap of faith in myself and leave the corporate job. And I noted, quickly found out I did not have the courage to show up. I was all up in my head. I couldn't even turn on a camera. And on my journey, part of my journey is that up until 2018, I had absolutely no social media presence. I left the workforce for 10 years to raise my kids. I kind of put all that on the back burner, got back into it, and then eventually found myself on this path where now I needed to put myself out there. I needed to increase my visibility. And I, at the beginning stages, lacked the courage to show up as myself in any environment. So, yeah, I think they're two separate words and we need both of them in That's order to be able to increase our visibility. No, I appreciate you for sharing that. It's such a, they're both very powerful, sometimes overused, sometimes misused. And, and when you're trying to look for that, that, that boost, if used correctly, you can position yourself on how those words can empower you. So thank you for, for a little bit of coaching on that front. You're welcome. Great conversation. Sorry, Jennifer, I'm going to close out with one last thing. So our last guest that we had was Alana from Day Kabiza. And Alana said that when she grew up, the one phrase that a father or the, the proverb or, or saying that a father instilled in her was, <clears throat> if you believe you can, and if you think you can't, right? So my question to you is, what is that one thought, the one quote, that one bit of inspiration, the one book title or something that gives you that energy, the drive to carry on? To, to remain focused in what you are actually working towards? That's such a great question. And I'm such a quote junkie. That's really hard for me to find one. And yet the one I constantly keep coming back to in my life, and I really, this is, speaks to a lot of my journey, is that we all have the answers within already. We really don't need to go looking outside of ourselves for the answers. We get to slow down and quiet our minds so that we are able to hear our own voice. That is what grounds me. Anytime I'm feeling insecure, anytime I'm feeling like the competition is outdoing me, Anytime I'm losing that faith and that belief in myself, I get to remind myself that everything is already within me. And so that's one of my favorite quotes is that we possess everything we need within. Awesome. And I think on that note, from my side, I think that's the perfect note to close on. You've got what you need within you and within inside. Jennifer. Thank you. It's been amazing chatting to you. It's been really, I love your journey. And I think that what you're doing is amazing. I love the human element to it. So yeah, wish you success in what you, your, the journey that you're on. Likewise, my friends, I'm so grateful that I was introduced to Satish and that, you know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be on this podcast and to share my voice. I really appreciate the opportunity. Likewise. I'm so glad we met. And this is the official closing of this episode with Jennifer. Follow along for all of the different social media links that you can find her on and reach out and have a conversation. And that's the starting point 
with Jennifer. And we've got tons of show notes for you to go check out. Links anywhere else. This is another year one episode. Thank you for listening. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Sathish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by BlueMex. For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit BlueMex.io to join us on Discord.